Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, July 6, 2021. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, oh, my co-host. You know, folks, in a world of black and white bozos, she is the technicolor treat. She is the she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, and it occurs to me that we need a she-devil with a sword t-shirt in the store. That might be right a now. trademark term. I think there was a Marvel character uh, called that, or Red Sonja, yeah. I think. Or Yeah, we'll have our uh, crack legal team look into it. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Instead of doing the really important work, like fighting fines and getting my bottle from the LCBO, we go, can you do a trademark search on she-devil with a sword? Oh, boy, that would be great. But I got to tell you, I'm a little perturbed, Sheila, because I found out the hard way on the weekend that you cannot get a refund on a DVD or a Blu-ray. They consider it like the moment you break that cellophane wrap, uh, you've watched the movie and you're just trying to get a refund uh, to, um, you know, uh, be a cheapskate, not pay for it. Yeah, and, yeah of and course. Well, also, what year is this? Who's buying DVDs anymore? <laughs> I am. And I thought I had bought a DVD <laughs> about Hong Kong, a documentary on Hong Kong. <laughs> and I found out when I watched it, it had, well, there was a scene involving Hong Kong, but that's it. And I was having an argument with Mr. Producer. He said it served you right. But I said, based on the title of the DVD, I thought I was buying a DVD about Hong Kong. And I want to know if you were that clerk at the store, would you have given me my money back based on the title? What's the title of this movie you're pretending to not know anything about? <laughs> oh, the title is <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. Now, you see, I oh thought it meant Hong Kong, not King mm -hmm. Kong. I mean, mm -hmm. they don't abbreviate Godzilla's name. They don't call him God or Zilla. So what the heck? What, what, what is this? Why His name is King Kong. It's not just Kong. He's a king. I want my money back. Like I said, there was a scene in Hong Kong, which they pretty much destroy because they're ginormous titans. But uh, that's, that's my case, Sheila Gunn-Reed. If you're the judge in a small claims court, do I get my refund? David, I want a refund for the last <laughs> minute and a half of my life. Justin and I feel like we've been robbed. We're going to take you to small claims court and sue you for the minute and a half of our lives back that you just stole from us. How dare you? <laughs> These poor store clerks that have to deal with you, you know? Well, honestly. I know, but <laughs> that, you know, I don't know if we can zoom in, but that is actually a scene of Hong Kong. The, these buildings are Hong Kong buildings, but it's not Hong Kong, it's King Kong. If they just put his proper title, I wouldn't have made that mistake. And by the way, Sheila, right. I actually bet on who was gonna win. Do you think I have a gambling problem if I'm betting yes. on which fictional title? <laughs> who did you bet with? Was it with Justin? Was it with Mr. Producer? Did you have a bet with Justin about who's gonna win? No, it was Lady Menzoid. She was a, a reluctant oh. better, but- uh, That know. poor woman. And she also said something along the lines of, I think I just got robbed of two hours of my life sitting through this trash. <laughs> Just two hours, Lady Menzoid. <laughs> Come on. Come on. <laughs> hey, 
anyways, enough about my problems with uh, misrepresented uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. Sheila, what is the ostensible policy reason of what we're trying to do for the next uh, 56 minutes? <laughs> yeah, who even knows at this point? Um, <laughs> it's the Rebel Daily News live stream. Uh, used to just be on Fridays, just hosted by Ezra Levant. But the pandemic struck and everybody sort of got locked down. We thought, hey, there's more news than ever. CBC's not telling people the news. They actually made a, like a conscious company-wide decision to do less news uh, during the pandemic. We said, you, we're grounded. Uh, people are, are at home. The news is changing minute by minute, it seems, especially with regulations and closures and openings and ace counts and all those things that, you know, pollute the airwaves every day. We thought there needs to be a better way for us to talk about this. So we expanded the Rebel live stream from just Friday to five work days. Uh, Ezra hosts Monday, Wednesday, Friday. A big accomplishment considering he hosts a daily show. Plus, um, he, you know, he like runs Canada's largest independent media company. David and I host Tuesdays and Thursdays, sometimes a little more, sometimes in my case, a little less if I'm busy. Um, and it gives us a chance to interact with each other, which I think is great, but also our viewers too. Um, and it used to be a way for us to make some money for the company and pay the bills and keep the lights turned on. And, you know, YouTube had other ideas. Um, YouTube has sort of become a censorship platform. They completely demonetized us after deciding that we couldn't qualify for ad dollars a little while ago. Then they said, no, 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 you don't get super chats now too. Left a $400,000 hole in the company. And also us with the realization that our time really on YouTube is borrowed. So we have, you know, plan B through Z and I say Z cause I'm Canadian. Um, and you can find us on other platforms. So if you're watching us on YouTube, hi, we're here for spite. Um, <laughs> they, they don't want us here. We're going to be here. Um, and it's a great place for people to find us. And if you're watching us on YouTube, might I suggest you take a bit of an off ramp to a couple other platforms. And we are broadcasting on rumble good Canadian company. Um, you can find us on Odyssey. And if you're on Odyssey, you can do something there too called a hyper chat. Uh, you have to buy Odyssey's library cryptocurrency. Again, I've not found out about cryptocurrency and I must learn about it. Apparently it's the way of the future. Um, but you have to buy their library cryptocurrency and you can throw some of that our way and we'll read your comment on air or you can go to super you and super you has something called a super you shout where you can um, talk back and forth, leave a comment. And on Super U, you can also leave us a tip to support the work that we do. And if you leave us a tip, then uh, Mr. Producer will uh, let us know and we'll read your question or comment on air. And I think I have all the bases covered there. I think you do, Sheila. And, you know, in case anyone is thinking that we're crying over spilt milk about losing all the revenue uh, from YouTube, it should be pointed out, Sheila, that there was no valid reason for demonetizing no. us. They, you know, they gave us some kind of uh, cockamamie uh, rules against the community. And we and we went through those rules with a fine tooth comb. Things like, you know, advocating suicide, for example. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, things like advocating dangerous stunt behavior, none of which we do. It's not our bailiwick. We would never do that. You know, I would almost respect YouTube more if they simply just said we hate you and your politics yeah. and we're pulling away instead of lying about the reason they do it but that's how they that's how they roll in silicon valley isn't it 
Yeah, they're like a country unto themselves there in Silicon yeah. Valley. They're like a country that exists on the internet with their own rules, with their own constitution, with their own allowable and way that you engage other people. It's like its own culture. And that culture has nothing to do with freedom, even though they exploited the First Amendment to become what they are and make <laughs> all their money. Now, you know, now that they've become so powerful, none of that matters because they can just make their own rules. Oh, well said, Sheila. Well said. And uh, I guess why don't we get right down to business? I think there was a media outlet. Uh, was it CTV Global? Maybe it was CBC. It was about um, Grace Life Church reopening. Oh, what am I saying? No, of course it was none of those <laughs> media outlets. It was our very own Sheila Gunn-Reed who did a fantastic interview with the pastor. Let's roll the video and you'll get a sampling of what they discussed. Pastor Coates, first week back in the church since it was returned to you after it was seized by the province for 90 days. Your church spent three times as long in jail as you did. <laughs> What's the feeling like? I, it was pretty joyous for me. What was it like? Well, I've got to be honest, coming to church today for the first time in, I believe, seven months when we didn't need to be concerned about the fear of um, enforcement from the governing authorities was different. And, um, and so even leading up to today, um, I was wrestling in my heart with just the level of excitement that wasn't there. And... And wondering, what is that? And, and why am I not more thrilled about this? And I, I can't ultimately put my finger on that, except to say that we've just gone through an incredibly difficult season. And I think it's going to take some time for us to adjust uh, from that. But today was amazing. Just a wonderful morning of worship. And um, it just was such a blessing to gather today the way that we did. And so I am grateful to our Lord. It was for me, a return to normal. And I don't know what it was like before, but I didn't realize how abnormal some of the things were. Mm -hmm. For example, to see your deacons and your elders who I've come to know worshiping with their families, mm -hmm. because before they used to have to guard the door for the cops and Alberta health services and the media. Um, but they were with their families. And I realized how strange this must have been that now they can return to worship the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think this was, um, a huge dose of normality for, for in a lot of ways. I mean, even the offering, you know, we, we haven't taken up an offering since I think prior to the onset of COVID-19. And, uh, and so, you know, Pastor Jacob Spence, he, uh, we, we said, we're going to do the offering on, on Sunday. And, and the offering really is an expression of worship. I mean, you know, people can still give even without that, that offering time that we have in our service. But that is an act of worship where we, where we give to the Lord out of what he's entrusted to us. So anyway, Jacob, uh, he hadn't even seen how we do that. So he was just like, how do you guys do that? And uh, so you got to see that today. So yeah, today was a wonderful do dose of normality. I mean, we, we, we have lived a very normal life mm -hmm. apart from the fact that we've had to anticipate the possibility of uh, legal enforcement, but uh, our gatherings have been really normal for a long time. So whereas a lot of churches are coming back to normality in a way that they haven't experienced at all for the last year or so. Uh, we've been doing this the entire time almost. So, um, but it was wonderful to be here and, and for those guys to be able to be with their families again uh, was uh, a rich blessing. You know, 
I'm glad that you mentioned Pastor Jacob because I think he's one of the unsung heroes in all mm. of this. And I think some of that, and maybe that's my fault, it gets glossed over. You ended up in jail for 35 days for refusing to obey the government over God and your obligations as a pastor. Jacob Spence stepped up to that pulpit the very next week, didn't skip a beat, knowing he could full well end up right beside you in jail or next cell. I don't know. You guys could start a band. Um, but it, I think people have sort of missed his bravery in all of this. Yeah. I mean, you know, had he and I been in jail together, we could have had some sweet fellowship. <laughs> um, but yeah, the courage he showed in particular that first Sunday, he had no idea what the outcome of that was going to be. And I remember being in prison and I was thinking about Jacob. I was thinking about Tim and thankfully pastor Tim's out now too, mm -hmm. praise God. Um, and just praying for these men. And, and I was praying for them at that time and, and really didn't want them to have to suffer my fate. I was hoping that by going to prison, I'd keep them out. That didn't work out in Tim's case, but in Jacob's case, the courage he showed that first Sunday and, and each Sunday thereafter mm -hmm. was amazing. And so, yeah, the resolve, the, the unsung hero, absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Now, you know, Sheila, that was such a great interview and I urge our viewers to go and watch the whole enchilada. It's great. And I'll tell you what strikes me, Sheila, right off the bat is that Pastor Coates, how diplomatic and gracious and polite he is. As you mentioned, he yeah. spent 35 days in the cooler. And we're not talking about some yeah. townhouse. We're talking about Edmonton's maximum security prison, a very yeah. dire place to spend even one night in. And um, I'm telling you, he's a greater man than I, uh, Sheila, because if you had done that to me on no valid grounds, it's not like he committed yeah. a real crime. I think I would just be full of, you know, bile and spite. And I, I would still be angry uh, how the state took away my freedom for no valid reason. Well, that's the thing. Like, like I pointed out in the video, there are so many people in this that sort of are unsung heroes who, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, tr did their best to conduct themselves in a Christ-like manner. Uh, Pastor Jacob Spence. I mean, Pastor Coates gets hauled away to jail. And at the time, nobody knew when he was getting out. He could have been in there for months. Yeah. And Jake Spence said, you know what? I'm on the pulpit. What comes, comes. And, you know, if they take me, there'll be another. And, you know, the, the deacons who are out there guarding the door every single week. You know, you when I was there, and I was there, for, I think, for about eight or nine weeks. Um, so... While Pastor Coates was in jail a little bit before and a little bit after, um, you know, the, for me in that church, my that was my experience. But going back this week, you're like, oh, yeah, that was that was really weird. And it should not have happened that way. And you forget because you're living in it all the time. Um, and it's funny because in talking with Pastor Coates, I sort of realized I'm like, oh, yeah, he wasn't here and I was here. 
And so he doesn't really know who I know and the relationships I formed in those two plus months that I was here. Um, and so it, it's sort of strange because you feel like you're sort of catching up and comparing notes a little bit. And, you know, uh, Sheila, the way I look at this whole story, I call it political judo because in the current events analysis, yeah, the state jailed Pastor Coach. Yeah, they fenced off his church. Uh, so they won in terms of putting an anvil down in terms of services happening there. But in a historical context, people will look back on this as they are right now. And did Jason Kenney and did Chandro really score a victory given that this no. got media attention around the world? This was shameful. So the judo part, it's kind of like Pastor Coates used the weight of the state against them in flipping them over because he comes out smelling like a rose. And for Premier Kenny, it is just, I hear the Cersei Game of Thrones shame bell still ringing. Yeah, and, you know, it really depends what your motivation is. So if your motivation is to squash the Christian church, yeah. well, then you don't know the history of the Christian church because the Christian church thrives under persecution. The original persecution of the Christians caused them to flee. And yeah. when they fled, they spread Christianity across the globe. So, and then with Pastor Coates, his service this past Sunday was the biggest one yet. They had 150 people outside in tents. Oh, wow. The entire church was full. <laughs> the vestibule was full. Upstairs was full. People were sitting in their cars listening. Um, I, I mean, they had to start parking cars off the property on the farmer next door's land um, because it was just so full. So if your plan was to demoralize Christians, didn't work. And if it was Jason Kenney's intention to show people how he handled the pandemic in a smart way. I, I, I don't really know what his motivation would be when you've got Ron DeSantis, the rock star yes. of the lockdown, critis critical of what happened to religious freedom here in Canada. When you've got Scott Walker weighing in, when you've got Josh Hawley writing letters saying, maybe we should put these people on a watch list alongside Iraq and China um, and <laughs> Afghanistan. Those are the other people on the list that he wants us to join. Um, you know, you didn't handle the pandemic the way you think you did. Now, within Alberta's insular media bubble, who are constantly cheering for the lockdown, yeah, you might think under the dome in Edmonton, as they say, under the dome of the legislature, you did a good job. But out there in the real world, people are like, what in God's name happened to Jason Kenney and what is happening in that country? Wow. Why did you have to mention Ron DeSantis? I look at the, the face of conservatives in the U.S. That is the image that immediately springs to Hero. mind. And then I look at who's the leader of the opposition in Canada. It's Aaron O'Toole. Oh, my goodness. Uh, can you tell a difference? Oh, yeah, I can tell a difference. Can you, Sheila? Did you see some of, maybe Justin can bring them up, some of Aaron O'Toole's tweets over the weekend where he's just like taking a picture of himself. Oh. I don't know what he's doing. He's not door knocking, but he's standing there with an umbrella <laughs> talking to people. And that's like his bold, like, look at me. I'm an 
energizing conservative campaign move. Boy, I can I can really feel the intensity, Aaron. Like, you know, like you look at Ron DeSantis, he's fighting with the media. He knows exactly. Yeah, see this one. Rain won't <laughs> stop. Good grief. Look at that. Yeah, the this rain won't stop him from visiting, but the uh, the Ontario lockdown order probably does, right, Sheila? <laughs> yeah. Can we just go back there for a second? Oh, at least he's not wearing a mask. Sometimes he's wearing a mask, and I'm like, you're fully vaccinated, I'm pretty sure. Plus, didn't you already have COVID? Like, why are you wearing a mask at this point? Like, how many layers of immunization do you have to get going for you before you take that thing off your face? But this is, um, can you feel the fire? David, can you feel it just burning? <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, we should get to some of these chats. Okay. Justin says, in my ear. Uh, we've got a rumble chat from Joyful Art from the Heart. Says she feels sad when people look at me and ask, do you think we'll be back to normal soon? Mm. Yeah. You know, and the further we get away from normal, the, I think a lot of people aren't going to remember it. Like they're really, there's a lot of people who are really adjusting to how things are and they really like it. I was at, um, and I should maybe talk about this because, um, you know, sometimes a Facebook post and a complaint uh, can change the world. Um, but yeah, there, I, like I was at Costco the other day and I would say, this is Alberta. And like 25% of the people were still wearing masks. And I think, okay, fine, you want Fine. You want to wear a mask? You're a true believer. That's great. Um, I'm not. I'm going to end thing. Goodness that we don't have to wear them anymore. But I thought, wow, like there are just some people who are just they're deep in the throes of this madness. And I don't know how they're ever going to get back out. I really don't. Uh, no, they, they really drunk the Kool-Aid. And I can tell you, you know, and, that, and it's funny, depending on the jurisdiction you're in. Uh, you're mask free where you are, uh, Sheila. And yet when Mocha and I uh, went to Ottawa, we were in the Ottawa airport and Mocha pointed out that the uh, public service announcement uh, saying the du rigueur masks are mandatory in the airport and in the aircraft added in the line, uh, we recommend double mask. And uh, Mocha said to me, how soon is the recommendation going to be a rule that you got to put two of those face diapers on you? Um, and it flying was already an atrociously bad experience just yeah. by going through the pat down area and the, you know, the overpriced uh, undercooked food you get in airports. But this social distancing masking rubbish, it has just made it, it like, like the, the least thing I want to do right now is get on an airplane, Sheila. It's a horrible experience. Those flight attendants look like they're going into brain surgery. Like they are wearing like the booties, smock, hair thing, mask, some goggles. Sometimes they wear like the shield gloves. Like they look like they work in the Ebola ward and they're just flying the friendly skies. Oh, like, uh, some oh. friendly skies. Um, I got <laughs> a, uh, I got one of those COVID Karen uh, stewardesses give me a little uh, mild reminder of the policy on Air Canada, which is basically uh, Governor Newsom's uh, policy that, you know, she saw me with my mask off because I was drinking and she says, sir, your mask. And I said, I'm drinking. And then she said, yeah, but 
we like it if you take a sip, put your mask on, and then take the mask off for the next sip. I'm not making this up, Sheila. You know, uh, I was too slow on the draw with my uh, cell phone camera uh, to record this uh, rubbish. And by the way, folks, uh, uh, will you hear our next story from Down Under about precisely the same thing, (laughs) drinking a beverage that got one man a whole heap of trouble. But I think we have some more chats, don't we, Sheila? Uh, yes, and David, you should have brought your like nose mask thing <laughs> <laughs> on your Air Canada flight and seen if that was kosher. Yeah. Um, and, and if you don't know what Sheila's referring to, folks, some Mexican oh, researchers so back in April, and we thought it was an April Fool's joke, but we couldn't get any confirmation. Um, they were saying that if you go to a patio now, um, you got to have your mouth open for eating and drinking. <clears throat> But there's absolutely no excuse for leaving your nostrils open. So they recommended a nose mask. And I I said, well, you know, one of the best-selling novelty items of all time, the Groucho Marx nose and fake glasses. Oh, there's Mr. Producer, always Johnny on the spot. So I went to a patio. I love this so much. (laughs) Boy, did I get some looks that day. And so this is how the authorities, some of them... (laughs) Why you need? Look at that woman looking out her food truck. She thinks there's a maniac in the, at the picnic table. The eyebrows are the best. Like that's like what is that carpet? Maker. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, that's a fallacy too, Sheila. I don't you, especially if you go to fine dining, don't you like to smell the food? You know, and and the bouquet of the wine. Uh, but no, here's what some Mexican. <laughs> This guy was this guy was a gem. He runs one of the food uh, trucks there down at Young Dundas. And uh, uh, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. He just watched us serve people food. But I just have a hard time believing that you smell the bouquet of the wine before you do any of that. I've had a few drinks with you, David, and I don't know if there's any like wine swirling happening at all. Although you do like your whiskey, which is one of the most asked questions we get out on the street is uh did david get his bottle of whiskey and to answer that question no and uh, a young lawyer at um our uh, firm that is doing all the fight uh, the fines uh cases i sent him the chronology on the weekend and uh if you can imagine folks we are going to send the lcbo a demand letter to give me my bottle that i paid for but they won't give me for reasons that still remain unexplained, other than they're a government-run monopoly. And as much as I despise monopolies, the worst monopolies are the ones run by the bureaucracy. So there will be an update when they get the demand letter, because, Sheila, is this really going to be headed to small claims court? God, I hope so. I hope so. I'm going to cover it like I'm Nancy Grace. I I am. I can't wait. (laughs) Now, Justin, I know you really want us to proceed with these um, chats, but I did send you a picture that I took when I was down at my local farm supply store, the PV Mart, because I'm a devoted, yeah, PV Mart. I'm a devoted PV Mart customer. And for those of you outside of the West, I think, although you might be getting the PV Marts in the East now, so congratulations, Uh, you're going to love them. It's like your one-stop store. It's... Like home hardware, but 
more farm supply involved. Um, you can get your wranglers there, your beekeeping supplies, your canning supplies, your plants, your chicken feed, your cattle waterer. Like it's got everything. It's everything plus nuts and bolts and hardware and casters and all those things. Like if I need it, PV Mart has it. And if PV Mart doesn't have it, I'm pretty sure I don't need it. Mm. So anyway, I what strolling into my PV Mart. It's, you know, like July 2nd or something. And I'm strutting into PV Mart because that's my happy place. Right. And I see this horrible sign on the door at the Sherwood Park PV Mart. And I am just beside myself. I didn't go in. I actually drove to another town. I drove back to Fort Saskatchewan to go to the UFH, the United Farmers. So anyways, uh, they said that they decided PV Industries. So that's as a company has decided that mandatory mask regulations for our stores, stores, so not just this store, will apply until August 2nd for the safety of our customers and our staff, blah, 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 blah. So I snapped this picture. And I put it on my Facebook and I put it on Twitter. And all I said was, I didn't say anything mean. I just said, that's fine. I'll go to the UFA. Because you, they're not the only gig in town. I just really like them. So anyways, uh, I get a message from PV Mart after, like, I guess PV Mart was put on blast. I get a message from PV Mart Corporate who tracked me down on Twitter. That's another thing I should add. I was like, Holy moly, I think PV Mart's getting like a lot of blowback and I felt like it was a little much and I like PV Mart. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take a break from PV Mart. I'll be back on August 2nd. They were getting so much blowback that even though I deleted the tweet and my Facebook post, they tracked me down on Twitter. PV Mart corporate sent me a message that said, that's not a decision that we made as a company. That is my words. I'll just summarize. That's the Sherwood Park store going rogue. The PV Mart Industries did not make this decision. Wow. And, it, and this is a very misleading sign. And we're investigating how that sign came to be. Now, I drove past PV Mart yesterday longingly, lovingly. Uh, however, I didn't need to go in and spend any money because every time I drive past a PV Mart, $200 just jumps out of my wallet. Um, and that sign had come down. So um, anyway, problem solved. People in Sherwood Park and surrounding areas. Go back to your beloved PV Mart. Sheila, you I you have to go back to that particular PV Mart <laughs> because uh, I want to know who is responsible for that sign going up and on what basis. I have no doubt, especially since you shop there for farm equipment, that PV mm -hmm. Marts are fantastic places for that. But what made this manager, assuming it's a manager, I don't know if they're franchisees, if it was the franchisee that made this decision, what makes them think they're infectious disease experts to go <laughs> against, you know, the grain in terms of uh, even Alberta Health Services, for goodness sake. Yeah. And um, I, I, that's, and if I'm the CEO of PV Industries, I'm, my, I'm having a volcanic eruption out of my head. Yeah. How dare not only a franchisee or a, an owner or a manager goes rogue, but it puts right the, the opening line is PV Industries when PV Industries right. had nothing to do with this. I think that's an incredible story. And it reminds me, maybe uh, Mr. Producer can find this for a later time. Um, when we went to Dufferin Street, we were tipped off 
And if I hadn't seen the video, I wouldn't have believed, believed that it was a home hardware outlet. Do you remember this one, Sheila? Where a mm -hmm. guy who had a mask exemption, and this guy sought out the little home hardware because he wanted to give money to the little guy, even though yeah. there's a Home Depot less than two kilometers away. And instead of being rewarded for that, he had the merchandise snapped out of his hands. He was frog marched out the door by, yeah. uh, by a Karen. And then when he pointed out, look, the city of Toronto notice in your own door, it says uh, there are exemptions for, for those who have medical reasons not to wear a mask. An employee came out with a piece of duct tape <laughs> covered over, which you're not allowed to do, right. as I found out from the city. You can't alter a sign that way. But I mean, holy red green, yet another use for duct tape. You know, to make people wear their wear their masks. So that's what your little anecdote reminded me when it comes to going rogue and playing fast and loose with the the masking rules. Yeah, like uh, this is the message I got directly from PV Mart. We're looking to how and why that sign was posted. We want to make it clear that we follow any regulations in each area that we operate. So unless a municipality specifically requires us, our stores in Alberta do not require customer mask use and wearing the sign posted was quite misleading and not our position. And they were very grateful that I took the post down because I guess they were getting a lot of heat. They said, we appreciate you taking the post down on your end and we want to be as clear as we can be. We've always done our best and what was right. We will be speaking with the store and ensuring that it's understood and recommunicating if necessary. Oh, I think it's necessary. <laughs> um, we are 100% not forcing our customers to wear masks and we follow all local restrictions and customers in Alberta do not require masks when shopping with us. The sign posted from that location has been remo removed and we're looking into why it was posted in the first place. And well, it was removed because I drove past yesterday to make sure it was. Well, Sheila, Sheila good for PV Industries for doing the yep. right thing. And, and let's make no mistake, PV Industries is a victim here this was sure a rogue uh person and you like i said you have to go back to that store and find out who the dimwit was that put that sign up in the first place and made it a misleading sign that oh well it's not us it's pv industries the parent company of pv mart when that was a lie so there's so yeah. many things wrong with that sign and you have to follow up, Sheila, I should say. Well, I mean, I can't order you around. You're the chief <laughs> journalist here. But, I but also, if I had your title, I'm ordering you to follow up. I also <laughs> was giving some thought to the fact that this manager obviously victimized his poor staff because his poor staff obviously are thinking they need to make sure that the customers are wearing masks when they walk in the door. And so a lot of people in Alberta are like, the hell I'm wearing a mask. And so they're probably being prickly with the the girls and the guys who are running the tills and helping everybody out Good because point. their manager is making them yeah. enforce mask laws that aren't the case. So this the staff got victimized by all of this, too. Oh, what a jabroni. Whoever was responsible for that sign. Uh, it's beyond jabroni. It's super King Kong Godzilla jabroni. OK, <laughs> that's yeah, that's what the moral of the story, though, is that this Western-based company that hopefully is moving east and you guys will enjoy the wonders of PV Mart, um, they did the right thing. They they rectified the problem with me directly. They found me, even though I deleted the post, and they're straightening out the store. So, I mean, in a time when 
corporations are woke and they are, you know, just enforcing laws just because they can, because they can do things inside their stores. This is a company that is respecting the laws in the places that they work. And I think that's great. And you know what, Sheila, when they do movies, I'm going to support this company for them doing the right thing. Uh, you said I can buy a beehive there, right, or something? Yep. <laughs> okay, yep. then. You can well, order bees there. You can order chicks there. Like, you can get whatever you need. It's at the PV Mart. I promise. Break cleaner. <laughs> like, everything. <laughs> wow. Be thanking you. Um, oh, do we, my God. <laughs> do we have some more chats? <laughs> Hey, Sheila, cat got your tongue. Oh, oh God. <laughs> the bee emoji. Oh, I can't wait till they take that away from you. Um, okay, so we've got a hyper chat from History Club World. It was just announced that Mary Simon will be the next governor general. What do you think of her? And do you believe that there should be a governor general? Do you, did you get my tip yesterday? Yes, we did. Follow History Club World on Instagram. So Mary Simon is, I think she's Inuit. Um, yep. And if she's not, Oh, I'm going to get letters, but I think she's Inuit. No, I think you're right. Um, and, and, uh, so she's the first indigenous, uh, governor general, but also she doesn't speak French, mm. which I think is, um, a step in the right direction because I think the French language laws and they're not really laws but they're like if you want to move up in the bureaucracy if you want to be a supreme court justice if you want to be in charge of any if you want to be a deputy minister if you want to have any sort of role uh, of influence in the federal government you have to be completely fluent in french which by and large completely cuts westerners out of the equation it protects the fact that Canada is run by Central and Easterners. And so for me, I think this is a step in the right direction because, look, if it's good enough for Mary Simon, it's good enough for any other Albertan who wants to be a Supreme Court justice who, who is not completely fluent in French. Well, but Sheila, she did issue a statement that she's going to learn French. On Dang the it. <laughs> good luck with that. I tried to learn French twice. I wish I could speak French. I really do. I don't. And the only thing, I, the only <laughs> French word I know, folks, is uh, no cadeau, uh, which when I check my lottery tickets means it's yet again another losing ticket. <laughs> so. Do you know, I want to learn a language that I can use when I uh, am enjoying some time off work, like Spanish. So if I want to go to Mexico, like I would take time off work to go to Mexico. But uh, like if I did, I would like to use a language that would be valuable there or um, learn a base language like Dutch or German, because those are, I, I guess, from what I understand, make it easier to learn other languages. Mm. So, um, you know, I don't know. Well, I just, our I'm Quebec resistant rebel to Alexa learning French. is not going to like to hear this, uh, Sheila. And there are, you know, I'm countries, resistant to it. You know, you, you, <laughs> you can go to countries around the world where they still speak French other than France, like um, Haiti. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure there's some more. So there you go. Yeah, there's some failed states in Africa, I think, where they still speak French. Um, 